Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the struggling church in Corinth. They were allowing the culture to influence them more than they were impacting the world. As a result, the church was crumbling. Paul's strong words of rebuke and encouragement teach us many things about how we as believers should live in a dark and depraved world. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. All right, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to read the first 25 verses this morning. Paul says, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? For if the bugle produces an uh, indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So also you, unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, perhaps, a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me." So also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. Verse 18, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I might, may instruct others also, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking, yet, evil, yet in evil by, be infants, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, But prophecy is for a sign, not to believers, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say you are mad? But if all prophesy 
and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. You may be seated. Now, I want to take an opportunity just briefly to review the last few weeks. We've been talking about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God-given abilities. It's not, remember, it's not a substance that just falls from the sky, something that's separate from God himself, but it's God empowering us to do things that you and I could never do in our own strength. And that's why as we're talking about spiritual gifts, the emphasis is not on us. It's not on the gifts in and of themselves, but it's ultimately on the Spirit of God moving in our midst. That's what we want to see as a church. That's what we want to experience. God empowering us. And what is he empowering us to do? Well, as we've been seeing, spiritual gifts are God-given abilities to serve the body of Christ. They're not there to puff us up. They're not there to add kind of to our spiritual resume, but it's there so that we can better lay down our lives for one another, so that we can serve one another, edify one another in in better ways. And then, if you remember, we talked about, uh, we walked through a list of 20 spiritual gifts that are listed in a few places in Scripture. And we talked about that week how every single one of them matters in the church. And we need them all. Every member matters. And side note, just real quick, I've been super encouraged as we've been going through this. I hope you have too. Um, I've talked to many people in the church. Uh, maybe they were a little hesitant at first or like a little skeptical about like the gifts of the Spirit. Like where is this going? But the Lord really ministered to many. And, um, and you're now open and you're expectant and you're believing God's word where it says that, you know, to be led by the Spirit in your life. And even in our home groups, like I've heard stories of home groups, like having good dialogue and conversation and they're just waiting more on the spirit and they're identifying each other's gifts. Like it's just that is amazing work of the Lord. And so I I love watching that. But then last week we talked about love in chapter 13, the motivation behind the gifts. Without love, our spiritual gifts, Paul says they're like a clanging symbol, very annoying sound. Without love, our spiritual gifts, although intended to build up the body of Christ, might in fact hurt the body of Christ. Without love, we can have the ability you know, to do amazing ministry, but in the end, Paul says, it will not profit anything. Love must be the motivating factor behind all we do as a church. And then we go about exercising our gifts, uh, but we first ask, like, am I loving this person when I'm exercising my gift? Am I loving? Or am I just trying to get my voice heard? Or am I just trying to serve to get recognized and noticed? And again, as I said last week, without love, the gifts are meaningless. If we lose love, we lose everything. And that's why Paul says here in chapter 14, verse 1, He says this, look at it, pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Paul says, pursue love. The Greek word for pursue, diako, literally means to run after. 
It means to follow or to press hard after, to pursue one as one does fleeing an enemy. Diaco speaks of an intensity of effort leading to a pursuit with earnestness and diligence in order to obtain something. And Paul says, do that for love. Do that for love. Love is that important. You see, the Corinthians had forgotten all about love. They were more concerned about themselves. They were more concerned of what made them feel good, what made them feel spiritual, what made them feel holy. They were more after their own pleasure rather than the building up of the church. They didn't have any concern about laying their lives down for others. No, it was about them. And Paul challenges them. Corinth, chase after love. Pursue love with all earnestness and diligence. Let love guide you, Corinth. Let love be the motivating factor behind what all you do as a church. And once you love, once you love, once you have this desire in your heart to build up those around you, who goes on to say in verse one, then desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. This is important. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about 20 different spiritual gifts, and there's probably way more than that. But Paul says here, I want to talk to you about this gift in an extended way. And so as we look at the gift of prophecy this morning, just a disclaimer, I'm not going to go through all 25 verses, verse by verse, like I would typically. But the big idea of this chapter is pretty straightforward. And the main point of what Paul is writing is found in verse 2 through 5. Let's read that together. He says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies... Prophesies edifies the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. So here's the context of what's going on with the church in Corinth. The spiritual gifts were getting out of hand especially the gift of tongues. This church was misusing the gift of tongues and they weren't using it to build up one another, which is the whole purpose behind spiritual gifts. Now, next week, we're gonna talk about the gift of tongues, okay? This week, we're talking about prophecy. Next week, we're gonna talk about tongues, but here's what I'll say this morning. There are two different kinds of tongues. The word tongues, if you didn't know, literally means languages, and the, and the first one, someone could speak in a foreign language that they didn't learn. That's, that's one gift of tongues. Uh, the second one would be a private prayer language. Again, we're going to dive deeper into that next week. But what's going on here is that Paul is saying to them, okay, Corinth, if you're in a gathering, right, you're in a corporate setting with other believers, that if someone is speaking in tongues, there should be someone there to interpret it. Otherwise, don't do it. It's very straightforward. That's the biblical model. 
And here, Paul is essentially rebuking this church. He's correcting them because in the church of Corinth, they had elevated the gift of tongues above all the other gifts. And they practiced it in a way that only edified themselves. Only, it was only for their, their individual experience and not for the building up of the body of Christ in love. And so, in, in verses 6 through 11... Paul lays out a couple illustrations to make the point of what's going on there. I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to overview them for you. He says, in doing this, it's like a harp or a flute that's out of tune. And if this harp isn't tuned and you play it, Paul says, it's unclear. Nobody knows what notes you're playing and no one's really receiving the benefit of the well, it was supposed to be good sounding music, but no one's like really being edified by this. In other words, it's unhelpful because it's unclear. And then he goes on to give the illustration of a bugle, which would, they would use to, to call for battle. And he's saying, if somebody is playing the bugle, but they're playing the wrong notes, and then people get confused by it, they're not gonna know, do we go to battle? Do we not go to battle? Do we go to battle? Like, is that, was that the song? Was that, is that our battle cry? Like, what was it? And Paul says, because it's unclear, it's unhelpful. And so he goes on from there, and in verse 12, you see the point that he's making over and over again in this passage. This is the point. Verse 12, so also you... Since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Paul is saying, that's the goal. And what you're doing, Corinth, with tongues and how you're using it isn't helpful for the church. Plus, he says, you're not even focusing on prophecy. And he's like, that's one of the primary ways for you to edify the church is through prophecy. So they're out of balance the church. And so in essence, he's saying, stop misusing the gift of tongues and instead pursue prophecy. And why? Why should they pursue prophecy? I've already said it a hundred times already, I think this is morning. Because prophecy builds up the church. And I want you to see this morning, um, I want us all this morning to have a biblical understanding of prophecy. And I want to pull from a few places in this passage and answer three questions for us, if you're a note taker. The first question that I want to help answer is, what is prophecy? If we're supposed to pursue it, then we have to know what it is. Now, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul doesn't define what prophecy is. So he's really assuming a definition of prophecy throughout this chapter, but we learn it from the rest of Scripture, right? Prophecy is God revealing something to you in order for you to bless and build up someone else. Chuck Smith, in his book, Living Water, said this. It'll be on the screen. The gift of prophecy is speaking forth the word of God through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It is being a channel through which the Lord may speak. The ESV study Bible wrote this on prophecy. It says the word prophecy refers generally to speech that reports something that God spontaneously brings to mind or reveals to the speaker, but what, which is spoken in merely human words and not in the words of God. So prophecy is God speaking to you and through you to bless someone around you. Prophecy is hearing God speak and then you speaking what you hear. 
Simple definition of prophecy is this. Prophecy is sharing something that God brings to mind. Really simple. Sharing something that God brings to mind. So the way, I'm a very simple person, you guys know that about me. The way that this plays out for me personally is it usually happens for me, and I'm not going to say like I have this strong gift of prophecy, but it usually happens when I'm praying for someone. Uh, whether I'm, I'm praying with them there or like I'm by myself praying for someone and the Lord puts something on my heart or on my mind. Maybe it's a Bible verse. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's just a phrase. I don't know. Maybe um, just something that comes to me and I'm going to share it with them. I'm like, man, the Lord just, this is just eat, like eating at me. And I just, I feel like I need to share this with them. That's prophecy. So what do I do? I send them a text. Or I go to them and say, hey, I just kind of have this, this word from the Lord um, for you. I think it's for you. And so that's, that's prophecy. Now, that's a brief example that I share from me. But I'll be honest with you again. I feel very, I feel like Saul, was it Solomon, like David, like David, when he's getting ready to hand off the kingdom to Solomon, I think the definition or the kind of like the defining moment of Solomon early on was like, he's young and inexperienced. That's kind of how I feel a little bit when it comes to like prophecy and even the gifts. Like I feel, there's so much room that I feel like I, I need to grow in. So I feel like undeveloped kind of in this, but I'm trying just um, as a, just a, son of God, just trying to uh, press in and be expectant for the Holy Spirit, just in my own life. So I want you to know that. So I'm not like a master of this. But when it comes to prophecy, I'll let you know that I have received a lot more than I've given. There are times, man, when I'm going through something, and I know there's, there's some of you here, there's a couple that, that go to this, the second service, and I'm like, Lord, would you give them a word? Would you give them a word? Because they, I know they have the gift of prophecy. I'm like, Lord, would you speak to them like about this thing? Now, I know I'm putting a lot of eggs like in their basket, but I just, I recognize in their life because they've spoken truth into my life and things have happened. So prophecy, again, is simply sharing something that God puts in your heart and mind. Uh, that's what it is. Now I want to make a few clarifications and say what it's not, okay? Prophecy first, prophecy is not necessarily an audible voice from God. I think when someone, some people hear that God is speaking, they think, it has to be like an audible voice or someone says, God, well, God told me, hey, Ryan, God told me this. And, and you just assume that like God showed up and literally like spoke to them audibly. But listen, I'm not saying that can't happen because it can. I'm not going to limit God. But prophecy, again, isn't necessarily an audible voice from God. It can be a sense from the Lord. It can be discerning something from him. It can be just a prompting by the Holy Spirit. And so when we talk about prophecy, it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean that there's this audible voice, but it can come in a variety of forms. Again, I just mentioned just my own story. God can put a verse, a Bible verse, on your mind or on your heart for someone else. God giving you a word or a phrase for someone else. It, this could happen in a form of a picture. God could give you an image or a dream Maybe it's just an encouragement to share with someone else. So again, prophecy isn't just isn't necessarily an audible voice from God. God says, like, Ryan, go tell Ralph this thing. I don't know why we always feel like we have to change our voice when like, we feel like we heard from the Lord, but I don't know. We do. There's authority, right? No, that's not necessarily what God is doing. Second, prophecy is not on the same level as Scripture, this is very important. The Bible, listen, the Bible 
is the authoritative word of God. It is complete, okay? It's infallible, it's inerrant, it's completely truthful. What scripture says, God says. Case closed, right? The Bible is the absolute authority of all we do and all we believe as Christians. So God has spoken to us through his word, and yet we also believe that God can speak in other ways as well. You see, a prophetic word is a word from the Lord. I'm going to say this, but it can be fallible. Not because God is fallible, but because we're fallible people, right? So, that any, so that's why any prophetic word, and we're going to talk about this even a little bit later, must be tested in light of Scripture. Does that prophetic word line up with God's word? Because God, the Holy Spirit, will never contradict himself. So he says something here. This is the case is closed. And if there's a prophetic word coming at you and it doesn't line up with that, that is a false word prophecy. It will always line up with God's word. I think of 1 John 4, 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So if someone comes to you and says, hey, brother, or hey, sister, I have a word for you. You know, I know that you've been kind of going through a difficult time, and you know, God says it's okay to cheat on your taxes, like, he gets it. Like, he's just, he wants you to know that this time it's okay for you. Like, he's understanding in this moment. Okay? What do you do? What do you do? Some of you are like, sweet. No, 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 no. We don't do that. <laughs> we go to the scriptures, right? <laughs> Thou shall not steal. Okay, that, that, that's, not, that's not a prophecy. That's not a, a word from the Lord. But we test it according to scripture. Listen, church. Listen to this. If you don't... If you don't hear anything else today, know this. The Bible wins every time. Okay? The Bible wins every time. The Bible is our highest authority. And how we understand what is true from what is not true is measured by the word of God. Okay? Are we tracking? Someone put it this way, and I really loved it. It's going to be on the screen. Scripture is God's word for all people in all places and at all times. Prophecy is a word from God for a particular person in a particular place at a specific time. But it has to be tested against the authority of the Bible. So it's not necessarily an audible voice from God coming down. Prophecy is not on the same level as Scripture. Third, prophecy in the New Testament is not an office, but it's a gift. This is really important, and people get confused because... As you read the Old Testament, you see prophets in the Old Testament, right? They hear, and then you hear about the gifts of, you know, of prophecy in the New Testament, and you got to know they're completely two different things. In the Old Testament, we have prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Deborah and Miriam, and, and through them, God spoke, right? It was, thus saith the Lord, no question. But the gift of prophecy is different because somebody with the gift of prophecy could still be wrong. I want you to know that. Old Testament prophets, man, there was a standard. They had to have a 100% like record. And there was, there's instructions to what to do with a false prophet. But someone with the gift of prophecy can, 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 be, can be wrong. Because it's a mixture of what God's telling them. And again, God's telling them, and it's, they're telling, he's telling a very fallible person. And then what are they going to do with that? Did they interpret that correctly, like 100% or not? 
So again, prophecy is simply sharing something that God brings to mind. It's not necessarily an audible voice. It's not on the same level of scripture. And it's, an office, or it's not an office, but it's a gift. I also want to point out this morning that prophecy is not just a random ability, okay? This isn't just some superpower from God and we can just use whatever we like. We, hey, Lord, would you help us out here? Um, no, no, no. That's, it's not a superpower. And we really understand this when you see how it unfolds throughout the entirety of the story of the Bible. So let's just do this real quick. Let's start at the very beginning, I'm not going to cover every verse in the Bible that pertains to this, believe me. But in Genesis 1-1, starts like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So God here, he's creating. We know this story. We learned about this story in Sunday school. And the Spirit, the Hebrew word for Spirit, can mean wind, or breath. That's why I, I love this song and I, uh, that, that Pastor Josh has been introducing to our church called Fresh Wind. And, and to some people, they're like, whoa, this kind of sounds new age. Like, what's going on? No, no, This is the Hebrew word for the Spirit of God is wind or breath. And so when we talk about we need a fresh wind, and this is a prayer song. We need a fresh wind. That's a, we're, not, we're, not, we're not like a weird mysticism, new age thing. No, no, no. We're saying, God, we need a fresh move of your spirit, a fresh filling of your spirit. Anyways, disclaimer on that one. But in Genesis 1-1, God's creating, right? How does he create? Well, he speaks. God speaks. And that's what I want you to see in Genesis 1 is that God is a speaking God. In, in Genesis 1-3, it says, then God said, let there be light. Verse 6, then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, then God said. Verse 11, then God said. Verse 14, then God said. Then God said. Then God said. God is a speaking God. He speaks. And then as you look forward in the Old Testament, not too far forward, sin ravages the world. But God promises to renew it by his grace. And he promises his people that there is going to be a time coming where he's going to restore what's been broken. He's going to pour out his grace. He's going to pour out his spirit on his people. And we see just the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament moving in a variety of ways. But in Joel chapter 2, this is what the prophet Joel says. Joel chapter 2, it says, It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit on those days. So there's this promise of a new age of the spirit where we will be indwelt with the spirit and we will prophesy. God will be speaking to us and through us for the building up of one another. And then, okay, this is the story of scripture. Then you go forward to Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, we have, again, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. And it's really just a fulfillment of Joel 2. Because in Acts 2, here's what happens. The disciples, they're gathered together. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in different languages. Again, we'll get more into that next week. But they're speaking in all of these different languages. People are really confused. They're like, what's going on? Like, like how are they doing this? And, and some of their only interpretation is, well, they must be drunk. 
Like, that's it. They're, like, they must be drunk. And they're babbling. They're speaking in different languages. What's happening? People are thinking they had too much to drink. But listen to how Peter responds to them in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 15. He says, For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. That means 9 a.m. He's like, guys, it's only 9 a.m. Maybe later, if it's like 9 p.m., that could be a valuable statement. But like, this is 9 a.m. But here's what's going on. Verse 16. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, he's quoting Joel 2, God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall, there you go. The cool thing is Peter goes on from there and he preaches. He says, here's what's happening. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised king, and he's come to set right everything that sin has made wrong, and he died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for your sins. God rose him from the grave. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, and then he poured out the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we might be the body of Christ filled with the presence of Christ so that we might serve like Christ and represent Christ in his mission so that we might show God's power even though we're weak. Peter says, that's happening right now. And for you and I, church, that means that we live in this era the era of the spirit being poured out on God's people that we might live not by our own strength, but by his power, amen? Now, before we get back to 1 Corinthians 14, I wanna point out a couple things from Acts 2 because it's foundational about this. The first is that it's clear from Acts 2 that God can speak through words, but also through dreams and visions, so when we talk about prophecy, I said this before, it can be God putting a word on your heart and also can be a picture, an image, or a dream, a literal dream that you have. You know, God can give you a dream for someone else. I'm someone, I don't remember any of my dreams, okay? I'm just like, I don't know if I'm just in a good sleep or a bad sleep. I don't know what it, which one it is, but I don't remember it. But when I do, on the rare occasions, I have a dream and someone, someone's in it, I always take it and I pause because this isn't common. And I'm always saying, Lord, were you trying to speak to me? Lord, do you want me to text this person or call this person? And I'm always, so I take the day and I actually think about it. Sometimes Mary and I will talk about it and she'll even do the same with me. She'll be like, I had this weird dream about this person. And we'll talk. I said, well, why don't you just text them? Because what's the worst thing to do? You're going to text them and say, hey, I'm just thinking about you, like praying for you. Man, that means a lot. But why does God give us sometimes these dreams? I don't know. Maybe because he's trying to speak. The second thing I want you to notice from Acts 2 is that God clearly speaks and he does this throughout the book of Acts, not just Acts 2. So God's saying, my sons and my daughters will prophesy. They will speak on my behalf. And then as you read through the book of Acts, you see God speaking to and through his people. In Acts chapter 8, the Spirit tells 
Philip to go and join the chariot with the Ethiopian eunuch that he might lead him to Christ. That's Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 9, God speaks to Ananias so that he would go and seek out Paul. In Acts chapter 10, God speaks to Cornelius to seek out Peter. So God speaks, and I can say over and over again, God speaks. He speaks ultimately and authoritatively through his word, but he's a living God who speaks to us in our particular context as well through the gift of prophecy through one another. Now, the last thing I want to point out in Acts 2 is that prophecy is not only a spiritual gift for some, but it is also an activity for all. Every single one of us can participate in the gift of prophecy. Notice in Acts 2, he says this in verse 17. He says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters daughters shall prophesy. And then we see this back in 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says that we should earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially prophecy. And he says, this is for all. This is for everyone. And so when we talk about prophecy, this is something, church, that applies to each and every one of us. God has poured out his spirit on just the pastor. No, no, on all of us so that we might prophesy. So I firmly believe that every single one of us can prophesy. But I also believe in a, in a gift of prophecy, a special spiritual gift of prophecy, where that person who has this gift just has a heightened sense of what God wants to speak to a person in, a, in a, any given situation or moment. But listen, we're all called to speak forth the word of God. No one gets off the hook on this one, okay? You see, this morning, you are called to speak forth the word of God to those around you, okay? It's not just my job. It's not just your home group leader's job. It's not just your Bible study leader's job. All of our jobs, okay? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. We speak forth the word of God. So we've, we've looked at the question, what is prophecy? What is not? God putting something on your heart and mind to build up someone else. Now, what is the purpose? The second question this morning. What is the purpose of prophecy? Well, let me say this. It's not for personal gain, okay? It's not for personal gain. It's not like, Lord, I just need a word from you, also known as the lottery numbers, you know, for the $850 million lottery right now. Um, It's not for personal gain. As we learn, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to serve and build up the body of Christ. And in verse 3 of chapter 14, he lays it out very clear. Notice this, verse 3. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and consolation. That's the purpose of prophecy, edifying someone, right? That is building them up. It's a building term, building them up exhorting someone, that is encouraging them, speaking truth into their lives. And then lastly, in verse three, he says, providing consolation for them. That is comfort, comforting them in the spirit. You think about it like this. How many, church, how many of us feel down? You don't need to raise your hand, but you feel downtrodden and you need to be built up in the Lord. Man, if we're raising hands, like both hands would probably be up. How, you know, how many of us are discouraged this morning and we need to be reminded of who God is and who we are in Christ? How many of us are grieving right now? Maybe we're just perplexed and confused about something in life and we need someone to comfort us and come alongside us. 
man, that would probably represent probably, I would say, 70% of you. And the other 30, you're just fine or whatever. You know what I mean? Doing great. Listen, God wants to meet us all in those places. Amen? And one of the ways that he does that is through prophecy. Now, some of you, you might be hearing this and you're thinking, okay, if God wants to build me up and encourage me or comfort me, then why doesn't he just tell me directly? All right? Like, he's God, I'm not, but if this is something that he wants to do, why can't he just give me like a cell phone connection or a direct line from him to me? Okay, two things here. One, he did in his word, okay, disclaimer, like, he's got, we have the word of God, okay, that's from him to us. But maybe, just maybe, God values relationships over efficiency. And what if through prophecy, he not only blesses you, but the person in which it comes through? Prophecy is a gift from God for the one who shares it and the one who receives it. And so we need, to, we need God speaking into our lives. Again, the foundation is the word of God. We need to be studying the word of God, memorizing the word of God, meditating upon the word of God every day, reading it. We have to stand on the foundation, the authority of scripture, but we also have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us who speaks to us. And you think about this, church. Think about all of the different voices that are coming at us on a daily basis. Some of you, you have the voice of self-doubt. I'm not good enough. Some of you, you have the, voice, the voices from our society just plaguing you. Some of us, well, we all have the voices of politicians right now. Come on, November 9th or whatever. Like, we all have that. Like, every other YouTube ad is like, Tito Kotek for whatever. <laughs> we all have the voices of the enemy, don't we? battling us every single day of our lives. But listen, you and I need the voice of God speaking into our lives. Amen? And maybe you're still skeptical on this. You're like, I'm good with the word, okay? Leave your prophecy at the door. Um, Maybe you're hesitant. But listen to this. Some of you this morning, you're willing to listen to the words of the enemy and live under his condemnation, but you're not willing to believe that God wants to speak to you today. And it's tragic. God has spoken and God speaks. And we need to open ourselves up to listen to the Lord. Third question is what does prophecy look like in practice? This is very important. Like I said, I'm a very basic person. I don't want to just grow in knowledge and understanding. Okay, now what are we going to do with what we've learned, right? Amen? Like I said earlier, I feel young and underdeveloped in this. I feel like I'm growing. I have a lot to learn. I understand that. But how does prophecy play out in our lives? Like, how does it play out tomorrow? How does it play out in our home group this week or when we're praying for someone on Thursday? Like, how does it it play out? How is it practical? The first way it's practical is one-on-one, and I've already kind of shared that. This is where God puts something on your heart, something on your mind, and you go to that person in humility to encourage them, comfort them, build them up. That's, that's the one-on-one. We've talked about that. The second, we kind of move out a little bit, a little larger, is like in your home group. I said a couple of weeks ago, spiritual gifts are designed for relationships and not necessarily events, but in our home group where everyone maybe is just praying for one another, right? And you're waiting on the Lord, this is something I think the Lord is putting on my heart just even for our own home group as we, we, we pray each week, but just waiting on the Lord and just seeing, does, will the Lord put something, um, a, a word on someone's heart for, for a particular struggle or a person that, that 
something that they're going through. So again, you can do this in a small group setting where you're listening to the Lord and you're sharing together. The other thing is for our whole church, a little broader scale. If God has ever put something on your heart for our church as a whole, if God does that, I want you to know that I would love it if you brought it to me, one of our pastors or one of our elders. I would love to be able to pray on that, to test it, and, you know, according to scripture, and really see, Lord, is this a word that you're wanting to speak to us as a church? And you probably know, if you've been around our church long enough, we don't just open a microphone on a Sunday morning for just anyone to share. And that's for many reasons, and, one, and we'll actually talk about that next week when we look at order in the church. But as a church, there are appropriate times in a gathering for you to speak and share corporately. I want you to know that here at Calvary. This would look like a night of prayer. So we're gathering, you know, the first Saturday of every month. Um, and, we, and we, we gather like in the front room or the, the sanctuary or the fellowship hall, whatever room we're in, and we just, we worship the Lord, we wait on the Lord. If the Lord gives you that time, that's your time to exercise that gift. If the Lord gives you a prophetic word. If there are, during our weeks of prayer would be a prime example for that. Or maybe if it's a Wednesday night service and, and it's more designed for we're worshiping, we're responding, it's a smaller setting. Again, we'll talk more about uh, things being done in order next week. But again, if the Lord is giving you that, those are the appropriate times. Not everything has to happen on the stage on a Sunday morning. So again, those are just a few examples of how this could look like. Now, here's what I would say in a practical way regardless of the setting. I like to think of prophecy mixed with prayer. Whereas when, when I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm coming before the Lord with a posture of speaking, okay? But also I'm sensitive and I'm coming before him with a posture of listening, okay? So when I'm praying for someone, I'm praying for their needs, I'm praying for just things going on in their life. But at the same time, maybe even we're up here praying, like hopefully this is what our prayer team is doing, is we're, we're praying, yes, for what they come up for, but we're also like one, one ear tuned into the Lord. Is there something that you want to put on my heart for this person? Is there something that you want to speak into this situation? But that takes sometimes time to pause, take a deep breath, right? Be silent and listen. So those are the different forms of prophecy. Now, very quick, because we're out, out of time, how do we receive a prophecy? And I kind of mentioned this already, but there's really th three things to do. Is number one, test it according to the Bible. Discern it through prayer and ask the counsel of others. And there's, if you have other, other kind of a, a, um, a process that you go through, that's totally fine. But these are three basic things that I think would help us decipher, is a word from the Lord or is it not? So if someone comes up to you with a word, run it through that. Does it, does it align with God's word? I think of 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul says, do not quench the spirit. I love that. Don't, don't quench the spirit. He says, do not despise prophetic utterances. But he says this, this is... He says, but examine everything carefully. He says, hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. Isn't that great and simple? Like prophecy is good, but it's going to be mixed sometimes. So when somebody shares something with you, you can examine it, as Paul says. You can test it. You can take what's good, leave and reject what's not. It's very simple. I love that. God's word, guys, is simple. It's simple. We complicate it so often. But God's word is simple. As we close this morning, Josh and the worship team are going to come out. I want to plead with you. Not plead. I want to, this is my prayer. 
I pray that you desire the gifts, but especially as this is Paul, would be Paul's prayer for you, especially that you would prophesy. It's the first verse in this chapter, desire the gifts, desire prophecy. As you go about your day, as you go about your week, ask the Lord, Lord, would you speak to me? And would you speak through me? that you would experience the power of the Holy Spirit this week. Now, I want to say one more time. The gifts are not about you. It's about a God who has given himself in the form of Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus died on the cross, we're told something amazing, church. We're told that when he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now that veil was, was separating the holy of holies. That was the dwelling place of God. That was the place where God's presence resided. And so when Jesus died on the cross, it was as if the Holy Spirit was no longer restricted or confined to a particular room in the holy of holies. But he has poured out his spirit upon all flesh, upon all men, unleashed his spirit. We live in the age of the spirit. You and I were empowered by the spirit to follow Jesus, to minister for Jesus as he's ministered to us. And so let's remember today as we worship that Christ has died for our sins. Amen? That he rose from the grave so that we can have new life and that he has poured out his Holy Spirit so that you this morning can rely on his strength and not your own. And that he, right now, he's building his church. Jesus says, I'm building my church, right? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is building the church, but he invites us to partner with him. We're his hands and his feet. And he's gifted us with spiritual gifts to build up, edify the church. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's study in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you've been blessed by this study. Stay tuned for our next series coming soon.